This week has been interesting for me. Sarah's amazing. Um, this week has been tough for me. Like I, and I'm going to get to the sermon, but it kind of, I'm going to try to tie it together. But I realized like this week it started out, I think I was getting a haircut with my barber who I've been really kind of just sharing my faith with. And he came to an alpha course and he, he has a lot of questions and, and he, he, he's this like new age guy and he believes all this crazy stuff and, but he's very like, and so I saw he was so getting like his heart was being softened. And then I went to get my haircut this week there and his heart was just like a rock. Like it just felt like everything, every softness, everywhere he was taking a step, all of a sudden he just kind of retreated back into this place of, of disbelief and thinking Christianity was crazy. Now, every reason that he used was, was not real, and it was, it was a lot of lies, and I was trying to speak to but it just wasn't a good conversation. So there was stuff like that. And I dealt with issues of, of just like confusion and division and differences in how we see the gospel and the Bible and how things, and so, so there was stuff like that. You know, and then there was like conversations, like deep theological conversations where, where someone's been believing something a certain way their whole life. And, and, it's, and it was breaking my heart because it basically was this attitude that, that God predestined everybody. And so you, he could predestine you to go to hell or he could, you could be predestined to be murdered or raped. And, and, and so, like, stuff like this, like, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, Jesus, like, there's, you're so much better than this, right? And I realized, like, there's, and, and we're going to talk about giants today, but there's giants all around us, right? And, and we're kind of walking in this place, and, and you know, going back in, in the season, we've been, we started out by talking about spending time with Jesus, right? And, and so we, we spend time with Jesus so we can begin to look like Jesus, right? And then this, this was the sermon. I was like, all right, now that, that we've spent time, we've all spent plenty of time with Jesus, right? And, and now you all look exactly like Jesus, right? Like it's all, you got it all figured out. No, <laughs> not yet. But this was going to be the sermon. Is like, now, now go do what Jesus did, right? But I realized like, that's, that's a lifelong journey, right? I mean, all of this is a lifelong journey. We're, we talked about being disciples or apprentices, right? We, we use the term apprentice because it's, uh, for me, at least for me, it's, it's easier to understand because um, for those of you that weren't here, like um, the word disciple in the Bible could also be translated to apprentice. And an apprentice is someone that, that go, learns underneath someone else and they grow, but the, the main objective is to do what that person that they're being apprenticed by does. So, so our end two is to do what Jesus did. Yes, can we all agree, please? I don't need any more giants. <laughs> um, 
We're, we're called to do not just what he did, but because he, it's not, we don't just do it because he said he did it. We do it because he commanded us to do it. Right? And, and there's some stuff in scripture that some of it's like hard to believe. Right? Like go heal the sick and raise the dead and cast out demons and, and cleanse the lepers. But we're called to do it. It's actually part of the Great Commission. In Matthew, Jesus says, go and, and make disciples of nations and teach them all that I have taught you. Well, we just have a glimpse, you know, what, what we have in the Bible of what he taught his disciples. But what we do know is that we should be doing a lot more than what we're probably doing, right? But getting back... If we're going to do what Jesus did, if we're truly going to walk the earth as Jesus walked the earth and do what he did, proclaiming the kingdom of heaven, healing the sick, all of that, we need to like have like a pretty good grasp why he did it. And, and I realize that, that sometimes... There's, there's a lot of different ideas out there. There's probably different ideas within this church. And, and, and we've kind of, we've been teaching about it. We've been teaching the kingdom message. We've been talking about what, what Jesus came. And, and I'm going to go through just a little bit because this is like a bunch of sermons. But Jesus came and he proclaimed the kingdom of heaven is at hand, Right? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. He came to establish the kingdom of heaven on earth. The kingdom of God. Depending on, depending on which gospel you read, kingdom of God is the same as the kingdom of heaven. So he came to proclaim the kingdom of heaven was at hand. He was the king that all the Old Testament prophets prophesied about. Right? He was coming to, to establish his kingdom. And what a lot of the Jews missed was he actually did it. So, so they thought he was going to come with military force and they were being oppressed and, and he was going to come and he was going to take over the empire and, the, and bring the Israelites to, to, to the head of it. And, and, but that's not what he did. He came for such a bigger purpose. It, it wasn't just the oppression. It wasn't just getting under, out of, from under rule. He came to defeat evil. He came to defeat darkness. He came to, to defeat sin. Right? And so, so what he did was he did come and he did establish his kingdom. He is the king that they prophesied about. But his kingdom, his kingdom looks a lot different than what they expected, right? His kingdom looks like coming and dying for your sin. His kingdom looks like making all of creation new again. Jesus came, to put it short, to, to bring back the garden, to reestablish the garden, right? We know in the beginning there was a garden of Eden, of Eden, and it was perfect. Even God said this is very good. Sin entered. 
And it's been God's redemptive plan to restore the garden again. And in the end of Revelations, we read that God restored the garden again. We know it's happening, right? And so when we're, when we're walking and we're trying to do what Jesus did, we need to keep that in mind because there's a lot of dangerous, weird, crazy thoughts out there. The world is pushing its worldviews on us, which change the way we read and look at the Bible and how we respond to God and what he's calling us to do. Does this make sense? So, but if we, if we understand that, like, if we understand those simple facts, God is good. God wants to restore everything. He's, he, his, his dream, his hope, his promise, we'll say promise, is that once again, his creation will be new again, heaven and earth, and we will once again dwell with him. See, when Jesus came, he was, he was, he was coming and he was proclaiming the kingdom of heaven as, was at hand. That's not far away. Right? And we live in a time that N.T. Wright calls, we live in the, the kingdom of heaven is here, but not yet. Meaning that we have access to heaven here, we have glimpses of the heaven here, but the complete heaven, where there's no more darkness, no more sickness, no more evil, is yet to come. But it is our promise. See, Jesus came and he made a way for us to be right with God. He made a way for us to be new again. See, in the promise of a complete new creation, guess what? We are the first fruits of the new. We are the first of creation to be new again. But Jesus didn't come, I need, I need you to understand this. Jesus didn't come as God. Everyone's like, oh, Jesus, God came as man. He operated as man. Okay. He walked to the earth as man. He got filled by the Holy Spirit. And then he was able to release heaven on earth. When he got filled with the Holy Spirit, he became the temple Follow me. Eden was the original temple. Okay? The temple, as understood by the Israelites and the Jews, and should be us, is where heaven and earth met. So there was a time when there was no separation between heaven and earth. Sin entered the world, right? But then when there was the tabernacle and the temple, the Jews knew that that's where heaven and earth met. That's where God dwelled, right? When Jesus said, I am the temple, he's saying, I am where heaven and earth met, meet. Right? And then he gave us the Holy Spirit. And when we get filled with the Holy Spirit, guess what? We are where heaven and earth meet. And we get to expand, and we get to make new creation. We get to be part of, we get to partner with God 
and making the rest of his creation new again. This is not me saying this. This is the Bible saying this. Right? So, so when we spread heaven on earth, we are partnering up with God in what he's called us to do. Jesus came not just to be filled with the Holy Spirit and do a bunch of cool things so people worship him. He didn't come to just, just die on a cross so you could float on a cloud someday. Okay. He didn't come. He didn't come to to make a big scene so everyone glorified him. Jesus always pointed to the Father. Jesus always pointed to the Father. Always. He knew that by glorifying the Father. It would bring people to faith, which would bring them into salvation, which would make them new again, which then they would be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they would be releasing heaven on earth. Does that make sense? It was through the Father, right? And so I want you guys to understand that, like, Jesus came to establish his kingdom. He came to begin the process of restoring the garden. And in doing so, he was glorifying the Father. Because it is by being right with God that makes us new. Yes? So why do we do what you why do we want to do what Jesus did? Because we love him. Yeah, that's a good. That's good. We love him. But but there do you know that I actually think that there's we could love him, but we could go out and have the desire to do what he did for all the wrong reasons. I'm just gonna read it. Simon the sorcerer. You're like, dang, you went right to it, Daniel. Acts 8, 9 through 24. Now a certain man named Simon had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he was someone great. All of them from the least to the greatest listened to him, eagerly saying, this man, the power of God that is called great. This man is the power of God that is called great. And they listened eagerly to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip, so Philip, Philip the evangelist comes and, and he, he proclaims a kingdom, right? And, and he does a bunch of signs and wonders. So all of a sudden, Philip kind of interrupted Simon's thing, right? Um, they believed Philip, who was proclaiming the good news about the kingdom of God, and the name of Jesus Christ. They were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. Okay, everyone say, even Simon himself believed. Because I want you to remember that. After being baptized, he stayed constantly with Philip. So this guy is like, 
this guy's got the power of God. I was pretending to have it, and now I'm going to follow him. I want to be him. I want to have what he has, right? He constantly followed Philip and was amazed when he saw the signs and great miracles that took place. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. The two went down and prayed for them that they may receive the Holy Spirit. Then Peter and John laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that, the Spirit was given through the laying, of, laying on of hands from the apostles, he offered them money, saying, Give me also the power, so that anyone of whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because, your thought, or because you thought you could obtain God's gift with money. Your heart is not right before God. So let me ask you, why do you want to do what Jesus does? I mean, it's something that we have to at least, like, contemplate. When I was coming to faith, like, I was reading about going and praying for people and them getting healed. Right? And, and now, like, I think, I, did I do that to glorify God? I mean, I still pray for people. I prayed, I, I, someone walked into my office to do a loan this week with a, one of those walking boots, and they walked out barefoot. <laughs> right? But it's, it's the, they totally walked barefoot because they only had one shoe and they didn't want to put the boot back on. Right? But why do we do what we do? Like, sometimes I think we have the wrong reason. I, I mean, I, if I'm going to be honest with myself, yes, I glorify God. But there's times I get kind of that thing of like, I kind of want to be the guy that prays for someone and see stuff happen. To be honest. But it's, it's recognizing that and being honest with ourselves and repenting. See, they told him to repent. And I think that there's a lot of times that we do things and maybe it's not to glorify God. Maybe it's to glorify ourselves. And so I can't, I can't just send you out to go do what Jesus did without warning you. Because it does take a walk. Like, and it does take maturing. And it does take, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying, check your heart. Check your heart. Because Simon believed in God and his power, but Simon's heart was not right with God. His heart was to glorify himself. If you ask Simon, he'd probably say, I love God. <laughs> right? But we do things. I see people that follow these, these celebrity Christians, which I love. I love these celebrity Christians. I've, I've had the pleasure to go run with them sometimes, and it, it's fun. Right? The Todd Whites and the, the Randy Clarks and the Heidi Bakers. and hey, Who's going to Randy Clark, Bill Johnson in the middle of March next? They're going to be in Albuquerque. Um, sign up. They're at New Life City in Albuquerque. Um, so, like we all, we look at them, we're like, man, these people are super anointed. And they are. You know, Randy Clark walks into the room and you could feel the presence of God. 
And so, so part of you, you see these people up there and now they're, you know, people call them famous Christians and stuff. You ask them, they don't want to be famous, so. But we want to be like them. But I ask you, like, why? Why do you want to be like, like Heidi Baker? So you're glorified or God? I mean, these are questions I just, I'm not accusing anyone in here. Like, I'm not. But these are questions that if we're going to truly walk out with good hearts, it's going to make a difference. Because I'll tell you, in my walk with God, I think the more I got this, the more breakthrough I saw. Because I think at first, I was doing it to see if it happened. And then I kind of got in this phase of like, this happens when I do this. And I kind of, you know, you start like looking at yourself. But I'm telling you, when you glorify God, when you glorify God, when, when you pray for someone and something happens, whether they just get touched and you see their face change or whether they get their sight back, it doesn't matter. But when you know God used you and you glorified him, it is so much more powerful. We need to check our hearts, right? I'll tell you, those, those famous Christians that we call famous, I mean, maybe not all of them, but the ones that I know, it's not about them. It's never been about them. Heidi Baker will come up here and she'll lay on her face. She'll do it for as long as God wants her to. And all glory will be hers or his. If you ask her if she wanted to get into the position that she's in, she would tell you no. And I think a lot of them would. But see, it was their, their, their heart being right with God that gave them the ability to carry such a strong anointing. I truly believe that. I mean, people, get, uh, people are anointed, but I'm saying like, man, there's people that are powerful that are walking this earth, but their heart, their heart is with God and only with God and bringing people to God. And that's where we need to position our hearts. And if, if, and if your heart isn't there yet, guess what? You have God. <laughs> he will bring you here. He will bring you there, but you have to let him. See, we live in this, you guys are going to, here it goes Daniel with his worldviews again. But it's super important. Like, look, we live in a society, we live in a world that's very different. And everything in this world tells us that we should feel like the world revolves around us. Individualism might be the biggest plague to the church than anything else. And, and we see it, and that's why, I'm not even going to get into it. But when, when the world revolves around us and we go and pray for someone, maybe our heart isn't in the right place. Does that make sense? I wrote this. So often, many have snuck into the church, attempted to rob God of his glory, to use the gifts he gave them to build their own kingdom on earth. This happens. And I want you to know, like, 
It's all him. It's all God. It's all him. It's all the Father. Everything. Everything that this house is about is got to be about him. No one could be doing what they're doing in ministry without him. I couldn't be preaching without him. I hate talking in front of people. <laughs> huh, you know. We, if we're going to do what Jesus commanded us to do, we have to do it for the purposes he demonstrated. To proclaim the kingdom and to glorify the Father. For the ultimate purpose of everything new. We have to come to it in that. Right? And so, like, we look at it, and, like, some of it might be hard. Like, we look at and trust me, I told, talked about this week, like, there's been some big giants. I felt like, and I'm looking at, like, these world views, like, man, this post-Christianity, post-modernism, individualism, like, all these things, new age movement, are these things that are just kind of plaguing the church and plaguing our society. And sometimes you're like, God, like, how are we gonna, how are we supposed to make all things new? <laughs> how are we gonna end up in our promise when it feels like everything's against us? Do you guys feel like that? Am I the only one? Yes. My barber, man, my heart hurts so much. Because he's seeking. He's seeking, he's seeking, he's seeking. But everything, every reason, it's all reason, is, is, is these world views. And I'm like, how do we get past them? How do we get past individualism to someone that's not Christian? How do I get someone that's like, and tell them like, the world doesn't revolve around you, when we in our own house have the same issue? It sometimes feels impossible. So I'm going to read. We're going to go to Numbers. This is a good story. Numbers 13. Send men. So this is God talking to Moses. Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each of their... Um, ancestral tribes, you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. So Moses sends out 12 to go, to go spy out Canaan, right? They go and they come back with this report. I'm not reading the whole thing. I'm trying to cut it down because it's a long story. So in verse 27, it starts, and they told him, we came to the land to which you have sent us. It flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit. Yet the people who live there, live in the land, are strong. And the towns are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. So they went and they spied it out. Right? God says this is the land you're going to have. Moses sends out the twelve. And they come back and they're like, man, there's a bunch of dudes like Daniel down there. Super strong. I'm just kidding. I'm trying to picture it, like, in, in my mind. Like, so I just see. <laughs> right? And, like, 
oh, we can't go. Right? We can't do this. But Caleb, so Caleb was one of the 12. Caleb is a boss. Like this guy, he goes with 12, 11 other people. 11 come back and they're like, nah, we don't want anything to do with that. And Caleb says, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are all well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against these people, for they are stronger than we. So they brought the, to the Israelites an unfavorable report. So these guys go and they're like, no, like not only are we going to give, not, not only are we going to tell Moses and Aaron that we shouldn't do it, but they go and tell the, all the Israelites. Um, where am I? So they brought to the Israelites an unfavorable favorable report of the land that they had spied out, saying, the land that we have gone through as spies is a land of, that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in it are of great size. See, I told you, a bunch of people like me. Just Of the 12, Caleb was the only one that was like, he knew that this was the promise, and this is what God's calling him to do. And he's like, no, we should go. Like, I want, like, I just want you to know, like, how hard it would be. Picture going with 11 people. And you know they're having a walk back. Like, they just spy down there like, man, there's milk and honey and check out the fruit. And you know there's a, but we can't go. And then you have Caleb there like, come on, guys, we can do it. God. Like, he was going against them, even to the point of meeting with Aaron and Moses, and even to the point in front of all the Israelites. Aaron and Moses fell on their face in front of the Israelites, and Caleb did too. So God recognized Caleb in this, and he said, But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit, say different spirit, has followed me wholeheartedly. I will bring him into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. What is his different spirit? Because I want it. I mean, I want that spirit when God says, go, and 11 of my sucky friends say, don't that I still say we got to go, right? Like, I want you to put yourself, like, I want you to think about this. I have been reading this chapter over and over again because these guys go and they see this beautiful land and they know God promised it. And 11 of them thought if we go in there, we're all dead. And Caleb didn't care because he had that much faith. Like he's like, God, I've got so much faith in you. I know all these other people are saying we're going to die, but I'm willing to go and because I believe in you. When everything seemed impossible, he was still, he still had the faith. That's the faith we should be praying for. That's the spirit that we should be pay, praying for. Like what's crazy is, 
the Israelites, when they heard this report, do you know that they actually said, hey, uh, we should get a new captain. We should get a new leader and have them bring us back into slavery. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want you, like, we think that that's crazy, but it's so applicable to today. Because so many times we don't do what God is calling us to do. We don't walk like Jesus. We don't pray for the sick. We don't share the kingdom of heaven. And we return right back into slavery. We do. We're so afraid of what might happen that we don't have the spirit of Caleb. And in return, we turn right back into slaves to the world. Maybe not to Egypt, but to the world. Is this making sense? See, these are, these are, these are crazy things that we need to be, to be wrestling with. Not just ourselves, but with God. And asking God, what spirit do I have? All the time. Because I know there's some areas of my life I've got the spirit of Caleb. In some areas of my life, I'm running back to slavery. And I don't think I'm the only one. So we need to be wrestling with this with God. So God sends the Israelites. He didn't kill them. He didn't wipe them off the earth because Moses pleaded with God, please don't because you promised us this land. And God remembered his promise and he didn't wipe them out, but he made them wander the wilderness for 40 years. Poor Caleb, the, the only dude that was like, we got to go in there, had to wait 45 years to finally get his place. 45 years. I'm going to read it. You, you, it picks back up in Joshua 14. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kedesh Berna to spy out the land, and I brought him an honest report. But my companions who went with, up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land of which your foot has trotted shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. And now, as you see, the Lord has kept me alive. So everyone else perished, as he said these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel, <clears throat> while Israel was journeying through the wilderness, and here I am today, 85 years old, and I'm still as strong today as I was on the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is my strength was then, for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day, for you heard on that day how Anakim was there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out, as the Lord said. Amen. So this Caleb dude was like 85 years old and he still remembers God's promise. He suffered and walked around the wilderness 
And he remembers his promise and he goes, I don't care if I'm 85 years old. I still have the power of God with me. And he promised me that land. And he got his land. And killed the giants. See, his spirit was faith, and he believed in the promise of God. He believed the promise of God of the promised land, flowing with milk and honey. It wasn't about Caleb's ability. It wasn't. It was about God's ability. I think if Caleb was thinking about his own ability, he would have saw all those giants that looked like a bunch of Daniel Colsons and, <laughs> and, and said, nah, like, we can't go. But he knew God promised him. So he knew God would deliver. Right? So I, I, I've used this analogy before, but it's so good that I love using it. So... Forgive me if you've heard it before. But my son loves Legos. He still loves Legos. I've been telling this for probably four years, and he still loves Legos. Right? But you know on the Lego boxes how there's the age things, like 7 to 9, 9 to 15, or 18 and up? Right? Do you guys, you know, you guys know what I'm doing, talking about? Okay. So... Sometimes, so Jackson's pretty good, so he's eight, so he could probably do like 12 and under Lego sets, right? But we know that that's his ability. So if someone calls us and goes, Daniel, I want to get Jackson a Lego set, like, what should we do? We'll be like, oh, do like 12 and under. That should work. And, you know, then he gets it and he puts it together, right? He doesn't ask for any help because he wants to do it himself and he's proud about it, right? But every once in a while, and it's usually my mom, will get him a Lego set that's way above his ability, right? And so he sits down and he goes to do it and he, there's too many pieces and they're too small and the instructions are too complicated and he tries to do it and he gets frustrated and, and he might knock some Legos off, right? Because he's trying to do something that's outside of his ability. And he gets frustrated and he wants to quit. But when he does that, I get to come in. And I get to come in, or Sarah, and we get to, it, it, work, it works better if it's me though. Just, but, um, I get to come in and I get to help him build something that was way above his ability. You see, so many times, we stay within our own ability. Like if we're going to walk like God, if we're going to walk like Jesus did, we can't do it in our own ability. If we're going to be sizing up what we're supposed to do based off of our ability, we're going to be like the 11, and we're going to say, no, we can't do this. And there's actually a lot of people in the church, there's a lot of Christians that say that. Because they're looking at it through their own ability. You catching me? See, but it's when we step out of our ability. So when we step out, of, if we have our box, and this is what I can do, I know I can do this, and I know I can do this, and I know I can do this, and I know I can do this, I can't do that, and I can't do that, and I can't do that, or that makes me feel uncomfortable, and that makes me feel uncomfortable. 
You know what we do when we don't step out of that box? We're literally telling God, we don't need you. We, we come to church and we cry out, God, more! But we stay in our little box of ability, and he's like, you can handle that. Right? You do it. You build that Lego set eight and under. Right? Because he's like, you're not putting yourself in a position where you need me. You're not trusting in my word. I'm calling you to do all this, but you're staying there because you say you can't do this. And really, like, we can't do this. But he can't. Do you understand me? Like, if you want to see a move of God, you have to step out of your box. You have to. You have to. Like, I'm telling you that the bigger risk I take, the craziest things, is when I see the biggest breakthroughs from God. Because I'm putting myself in a situation sometimes, I'm like, God, if you don't show up, this is going to be really bad. <laughs> Jesus put himself in a lot of really bad situations. And he trusted in the Father. Because he was, he was the picture-perfect human walking in, with righteousness. Walking with right standing with God. Walking with the Holy Spirit. And we could do the same. We could do the same. Like, is it going to happen tomorrow? Probably not. But it's a process. We, 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 we can't do what God did if we limited ourselves to our own ability. Let me say that again. We can't do what God has called us to do if we limit ourselves to our own ability. Yes? And guess what? We have our own promised land. We have our own promised land. Revelations 22. Then the angel showed me the river of water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each, producing its fruit each month, and the leaves of the trees are for healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there anymore, but the throne of God of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him, and there will be no more night. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. You guys, we have our promised land. Jesus came to establish his kingdom on earth. He commissioned us. And he gave us our promise. And one thing that we know in the Bible is God always fulfills his promises. And this promise is above any other promise because this promise is the promise of 
complete restoration of his creation. It is of making everything new again. This promise is the promise that God began from the day of sin. He wants his people back. He wants his creation back. He doesn't want anyone tainted anymore. He wants to live in perfect unity where you see his face and he sees yours. He wants to restore us to our land flowing with milk and honey. We must keep faith. We have to keep faith. We have to keep our eyes on that promise and know that it's going to happen. We have to keep our eyes on the promise and what he's called us to do. Because he's not going to call you to do something that he's not going to fulfill. So no matter what the giants, no matter what the giants that we deal with this week, or next week, or the week after, that make it seem impossible, no matter how many times you pray and you don't see breakthrough, we have to keep our eyes focused on what he's called us to. We have to make sure that we are glorifying the Father. We have to make sure that our lives, your life, is to do nothing but glorify God. That when we walk, He is glorified. Whether it's introducing ourselves, or buying someone in need a hamburger, or raising the dead. It's all in glory, glory to him. We have to make sure our hearts are positioned right. Jesus said, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. We must teach everything Jesus taught. Everything. We have to quit picking and choosing based off of our own ability and our own faith. Because if we're teaching based off of our own ability and our own faith, we're not teaching the gospel. We're not teaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We have to be pointing to him and spreading heaven on earth. We have to be that, that place where heaven and earth come. And, and as we grow and as we make disciples, we're bringing more heaven to earth. I mean, just that action alone is making more creation new again. Right? We are his apprentices. He showed us how to do it. He showed us. Like, I could get up here and, and we can preach and talk about all the different things he did, and we probably will over the course of a lifetime. <laughs> but read the Bible. Read your scriptures. I'm telling you, I, no joke, I was reading the Bible and it said to go pray for the sick, and no one 
that I knew was praying for the sick, because I didn't know any of you. And I was out, and I was praying for the homeless, because it was easier for me. But it's, it's not, don't be like the 11. Be like Caleb. Read the Bible, and read, and see what Jesus demonstrated, because what he did was demonstrate to us, including death and resurrection. We get to live that life if we are right with God. Step out of your box of ability, pray for the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead. Be bold, because the kingdom of God is here. And those, all those giants, all those giants we're up against, know that they're, with God's promise, they, they stand no chance. So I'm going to close with this. I'm going to mimic what Caleb said. So now give me this hill country of what the Lord spoke on that day. And that should be what we say every day. We should get up and say, when we feel everything is against us, we should say, give us that hill country that was promised to us. Give us that garden that you promised to us. Because we want to be right with you. So let me close in prayer. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you showed us the way. I thank you that you're a powerful God and you gave it all up to show us how to do this. God, I pray that you guide us. I pray that you check our hearts. I pray that you check our spirits so that we do nothing but glorify you, God. Teach us how to do it better. Bring us into that, that right relationship with you, God. Break off any lies that we were believing. Break off any, any lenses that are not of you, God. But you commissioned us. And so I ask that you, you double our boldness today. I ask that you double our courage. I ask that you, you highlight any areas in our life that we're just staying in a box of ability that is not where you want us. Let us operate in your ability, God. Let us operate in your ability. It's for your glory, God. Amen. Amen, amen. If uh, anyone needs prayer, if you want prayer for boldness, if you want prayer for courage if you want prayer to because you want to check your heart you want god whatever you want prayer for we're here you can ask any one of us anyone in this room because we all carry the same spirit but get prayer because laying of hands is powerful and simon knew it amen, amen. bless you